0: Hallelujah. Is anybody lifting up their praises this afternoon? I think we need to have that cause. Because I need to see people lifting up some praises to the Lord. Hallelujah. Shall we have that? We lift our praises up. Come on, guys. Come on, lift those hands. We lift our praises up. That's right. That's, That's better. better. We lift praises up Come on, lift them up. We lift, up. we lift our praises up. We lift our praises up. We lift our praises up. We lift our praises. That's right. We lift our praises up, right. up to you, we lift our to you, to you. One more time, yeah. We lift our praises up to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Them a shout praise. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Please do take your seats. to lift up some praises in this house this afternoon amen Amen. because jesus is in the house and we need to lift our praises up to him this afternoon well we are going to an end the series we've been doing uh, on uh, the gospel. I'm not ashamed. And over the past four weeks, we've been talking and looking about different aspects of presenting the gospel. And um, uh, today, we're going to be finishing off the series uh, and we'll be looking specifically at the subject of demonstrating the kingdom, power evangelism, demonstrating the kingdom. You know, the centrality of our faith is linked to the proclamation of the gospel. Um, some of you might have been around earlier on this morning as Bruce preached on the subject of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where our journey of demonstrating the kingdom starts off. It starts off with you and I embracing that message of hope, that message of of faith. There are two general phrases we see in the New Testament that really encompasses the gospel. Oftentimes we'll see the passages speak about the gospel, but at other times there is kind of a little addendum to it, and then it speaks about the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of of the kingdom. And really that's what I want to maybe draw attention and focus to slightly uh, this afternoon. You know, the gospel and the gospel of the kingdom are one and the same thing. However, when we begin to speak about the gospel of the kingdom, we are moving from beyond just the message of salvation. We're moving from just beyond the fact that Jesus can bring the message of the grace of God, the forgiveness of sins, the restoration uh, of, of us into relationship with him, and moving beyond to what does the gospel, also bring in our lives because it is about the gospel of the kingdom. Most of us know the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Yes, if you know the Great Commission, wave at me. If you know the Great Commission, when I say the Great Commission, you know what I'm talking about. Wave at me. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 speaks about us going into the, all the world and making disciples of all Nations, And this is the commission that Jesus gives to his disciples at the end of his earthly ministry. He said to them that you need to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So they were commissioned to go and do this. And we know it begins with uh, that person putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Nicodemus uh, came to Jesus by night. We know what happened. He asked Jesus, what can I do to be saved? What can I do to begin this journey of how the gospel can impact me and jesus then said to him unless you are born again you cannot enter the kingdom of god and a second time he says to him you cannot see the kingdom of god you cannot enter the kingdom of god you cannot see the kingdom of god and so we ask ourselves well what is this gospel of the kingdom because this gospel of the kingdom has to be preached and as Romans 10:14 says, how can they hear if there isn't a preacher? And that is where you and I come in. Because we are the people who have the message of the gospel of the kingdom that we can go with, that we can run with, that we can begin to impact Jesus's life. You see when Jesus spoke, to the disciples at the end of his earthly ministry, just as he was about to enter uh, into heaven, and he said to them, Go into all the world. He was only reinforcing what he was already having them do during his time here on earth and so the commissioner i think this is the mistake oftentimes we make we think that jesus at the end of his earthly ministry then almost like an afterthought says oh by the way you know i'm going i'll leave you you guys you guys need to carry on the work and you guys need to take on board what i was doing and you guys need to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations no 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 Because all Jesus was doing at that final uh, uh, engagement that he had with his disciples just before he was about to go to heaven was simply reinforcing what he was already doing with them. If we go to Matthew chapter 6, and that's where we're going to start our journey this afternoon, in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, speaking about Jesus' forage, into his hometown of Capernaum, the Bible says that he could not have done many miracles there in Matthew chapter 6. We pick it up from verse 5. So I think I've given you the wrong text. It's It's Mark chapter 6, not Matthew chapter 6. And we pick it up from verse 5 of Mark chapter 6. says now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them and he mar- and he marvelled because of their unbelief then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching and he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power Over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, In whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah and the day of judgment than for that city. Verse 12. So they went out and preached that people should repent. Verse 13. And, somebody say and. Amen. And they cast out many demons and anointed with all many who were sick and healed them they cast out demons and anointed many who were sick and healed them you know one of the amazing things is that you and i have been given this capacity that we can actually preach the gospel and because of the commission that comes to us from jesus christ minister to those who are in need, those who are sick. And so, in going out and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, they were also demonstrating the power of the kingdom. Well, you might say, well, hang on a second, that was with his 12 disciples. You know, they were special in some way. They'd spent time with Jesus. They'd interacted with the master. And so, they, they, they would have been given uh, something special to carry and go forth. Well, let's look at Luke 10. Because in Luke 10, we see a similar picture of commissioning. Remember, all this is happening before Jesus goes to the cross. All this is taking place before Jesus dies on Calvary and gets uh, 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 the, the finished work done regarding the salvation of mankind. And he says in, Matthew, in Luke 10, sorry, after these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money, bag, knapsack, nor sandals, nor greets no one along the road, but whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. We see beyond the twelve that Jesus, in commissioning the seventy disciples, does exactly the same thing. He sends them out with his commission to preach the gospel and to minister and demonstrate the kingdom of God, to minister to the sick, to heal the sick, to to, to cast out demons, to demonstrate the power that the gospel releases in the lives of those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ there's a book called, What is the Mission of the Church? What is the Mission of the Church? And it's about about, uh, basically understanding that you and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, we have in our hands a commission to go into all the world and make disciples, Matthew 28. But it also represents this picture or presents this picture that we cannot go and reach the lost without also corresponding going and ministering to those who are sick and ministering and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And so that's why in the New Testament, you will see that again and again and again, when it speaks of the kingdom of God, the promise of the, the, the new creation that comes into our lives, it also correspondently talks about how God can change the situations people find themselves in. I've often wondered about the significance of the passage in Matthew 24 and verse 14. It's quite a difficult passage. Cuz in that passage it says and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony now, what is a testimony? A testimony, it's something that attests to something. It attests to something. And it's saying here, yeah, this gospel of the kingdom, it will attest to the whole world, to all the nations that Jesus saves and Jesus heals. And then the end will come. In Acts chapter 3, as the early church begins to take shape, we read the story of Peter and John going up to the temple to pray. Now, I was thinking about this, I was thinking, well, if I was to kind of fashion this into a modern picture, that would be like you and me, you know, traveling to work or coming to a meeting or going somewhere and, you know, our focus is that end point. In other words, I'm going to work or I'm going to you know, spend some time with some friends or I'm going out to socialize or whatever it might be. And on the road going, they recognize that there was an individual with a need. The gate's called Beautiful. You probably know the story. And this individual comes and requires from the disciples some money. Basically, the the individual that was at that gate was saying, this is my need. This is my need. This is what I require. I require money. I require finance. I require physical sustenance. But Peter and John recognized that there was a bigger need that this man had. And what was that bigger need that he had? He had a need to have the gospel demonstrated to him. He had a need to not just hear the gospel, but to hear the gospel demonstrated to him. You know, there are so many of us, and you know, I put myself in there, I'm not excusing myself in this, where oftentimes people will come to us and they will present their need to us in the form of maybe finances. They might present their need in the form of relationship. They might present their need in the form of a problem that they're having to deal with. They might present their need in form of, you know, situations that they're encountering at work. That's their need that they are presenting. But oftentimes, it is the case that the real need that these people have is that they need the gospel demonstrated to them. And so how did Peter and John demonstrate the kingdom? They said to him, in verse 5, verse 6 of Acts chapter 3, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and work. Now, what was he given to that man at the gate beautiful? He was given to him the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. And the end result of all this is that not only did that guy get healed, not only did that guy experience transformation in his physical state, but he also experienced transformation. The transforming power of God that changes a life. To the extent that those who were around marvel, the scripture says, and they came to hear them at Solomon's porch. Jesus says to his disciples in John 14 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these uh, he will do because I go to my father. Because uh, I go to my father. Jesus is clear that we will do greater works. Now these are not my words. These are the words of Scripture. He says that you and I will do greater works. We have the capacity to do greater works, to demonstrate the kingdom of God because it is all wrapped up in him. E.W. Kenyon wrote this, before Jesus returns, there will be a mighty army of believers who will learn the secret of living in the name of reigning in life victorious, transcended the life of the Son of God among men. In other words, you and I, because we are believers in Jesus, have within us what I can only describe as the latent capacity to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Why? Because Jesus said, greater works than these you will do. There's an interesting dialogue that takes place in the movie, The Matrix. Now, I don't know, has anyone here seen the movie, The Matrix? Came out quite a few years ago. And quite a lot of undertones um, that we can maybe parallel with scripture. And there is a particular scene where there's a dialogue that is taking place between Morpheus and Neo, who was the chosen one. And Morpheus is trying to convince Neo that he has latent power, hidden capacity. And uh, it was this scene where um, there were, there were uh, uh, bullets being fired at him, and Morpheus kind of somehow still brought him into the scene, and he was saying to Neo, Neo, you can do this. And so Neo turned to him and said, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to tell me, Morpheus? Are you trying to tell me that I can dodge bullets? And Morpheus said, no, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you are ready, you won't have to dodge bullets. Because they will not even come to you. You will stop them in their tracks. I thought to myself, that's quite interesting because in some ways, this is a picture of what you and I have within us. A latent capacity to demonstrate the kingdom of God. We are meant to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God to demonstrate Christ. And when we read in the Gospel of Luke, it will seem that in Luke's mind, Jesus' demonstration of the kingdom was wrapped in several things. Physical healing, deliverance from demons, raising the dead, and sovereignty over natural phenomena like stealing the storm. When Jesus began his public ministry, he did so in the power of the Spirit. When you are born again, you are born of the Spirit. The same Spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you and the Bible says it will quicken your mortal body to life. In quickening your mortal body to life, what is he saying there? He's saying that you can step out in faith and begin to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Consider the implications of what Jesus did in the book of Luke, chapter 4. He picks up the scroll and he begins to read Isaiah. Isaiah 61, to be very precise, in our own uh, 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 framework of the scriptures. He begins to read Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Make no mistake, the gospel is about proclaiming that Jesus saves. But the gospel is also demonstrating that Jesus heals. Amen? It's about demonstrating that Jesus heals and that Jesus saves. And it started in the lives of the people who were around Jesus and continues to work in the lives of those who would put their faith and trust in him and step out in demonstrating the kingdom of God. In the epistles, we get a bit of a snapshot of these things taking place again and again in the ministry of Paul and others. As they went out and preached the gospel, and demonstrated the kingdom. They preached that Jesus saves, but they also prayed for the sick and brought deliverance to many. Sadly, fear of opposition, fear of not seeing things accomplished, fear of lots of things prevent us from actually stepping out. You know, if you weren't here this morning, I really will encourage you to go back and get hold of Bruce's message that he preached about not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you see, fear, well, what if I pray for that person and they don't get healed? What if I pray for that person and their situation stays the same? What if I pray for that person and there's no real turnaround or change in their circumstance? What if, what if, what if? And so we never step out in faith. We never step out and believe God for the possibility. You know, sometimes the obstacles will be seemingly insurmountable. You might think, well, oh my goodness, you know, my work colleague has just told me that, you know, they're not feeling well today. You know, I, I want to, to share the gospel, I want to pray for them, but if I do that, well, maybe they might sack me and, you know, they might, you know, throw me out of this job, you know, and I can't afford that because I've got a, a mortgage to pay, I've got, you know, my family to feed and, you know, I can't afford that to happen. And so, shut down. Circumstances dictating our capacity to preach the gospel. Only last week, I think it was last, it might have been last Thursday or Wednesday, I can't remember, I was um, turned on the radio and um, LBC... Was on, it was kind of middle time of the day because I was, I was driving somewhere and um, um, they had Petrie Hoskins on. And now she's a self professed atheist. Um, she says it a lot of times. And this particular day, uh, they were discussing the topic or the subject of are miracles real? Do faith healings happen? And she had people falling in and, uh, you know, trying to argue for and against and people sharing, oh, well, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. And a position again and again and again, well... Medical science can explain it. Medical science can explain it. because Remember, there was a particular caller that called in and said, you know, I had a, a tumor, and then I came to my church. They prayed for me. They laid hands for me. I went back to the doctors. They did the scan again, and there was no tumor there. And you said, well, you know, sometimes in the, in the medical field, they might find something and realize that what they saw before was not really there. And so it's not really a, a miracle. It's not really a faith. A, 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 it goes, oh, I, I, I'll, I'll believe when I actually see you know physical things transform, like I see someone's hand grow or someone's foot grow or something like that, then maybe I might believe. And I thought to myself, "No, you won't." You see, because oftentimes, people equate the process of embracing the finished work of Jesus of, on Calvary to being convinced in their mind. No, 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 no. It's a conviction of the heart. And in praying for people, we're not trying to convince their mind. We're not trying to convince them, oh, I've prayed for me now. You know, check that headache. Is it there? No, it's not there. You see, I told you Jesus saves and Jesus heals. No, it doesn't work like that. But our commission is that we should go and do exactly that. Now, the salvation, that's God's work. He's the one that draws all men to salvation. Our commission is to preach and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And so we see that again and again and again, the gospel speaks about this whole framework of us going forth and ministering the gospel of the kingdom, demonstrating that Jesus Christ can change circumstances and situations, can heal people, can deliver them, can, can, can change their lives, as well as bringing them to a place of reconciliation with God. I remember... When um, I was in university many years ago, and I was in the Christian Union, and um, we'd planned to have a, a crusade. Um, we're going to go do some outreach and go to uh, a village that was not too far away. Um, that evening, we'd planned it for quite a while, and we're going to have a kind of big campaign meeting. And um, that morning, we got up, and... Um, kind of bit of commotion around the campus and, um, and then you know when to go into class and I see people coming back from lectures like oh there are no lectures there are no lectures haven't you heard have you heard, well, what what have you had what you know, there's been a coup the army have just stormed the presidential um, house and they've taken over and then, all of a sudden, you could begin to hear the gunshots in the distance, all of this going forward. So, uh, the first thing we thought, well, hang on a 2nd got a crusade tonight. And we're meant to go to this village, is about four, five miles away, and we're planning to, to walk there and back. And, um, and so we went to, we, we had a small chapel, and went to this chapel, and we get, began to pray. And felt very strongly, God said that, I've given you a commission to preach the gospel. And so we, we gathered the, the Christian Union people who would come out and said to them, Well, you have one or two options. You can go back to your dorm and be safe, or we can go and have this crusade. Well, some people said, well, I'm, I'm, there's no way I can hear the bullets flying left, right, and there's no way I'm walking five miles in the middle of a road somewhere to go someplace where well, well, if we go there, nobody shows up because they're all in their houses and they're afraid to come out and stuff. Anyway, cut a long story short. The long story is, is, is very long. But the shortened version is that we went. And we got there, and as we walked through um, and we got to this village, we could see a crowd gathered And there were people there that bought the sick, that bought people who were in wheelchairs. And the first thing that came to me was it would have been so easy to justify not going, it would have been easy. What well, there's just been a coup this morning, so cancel all meetings. Nobody goes out. You need to be safe, people you need to be protected. Our pastoral duty towards you is to make sure that you know you're safe and you know no harm comes to you, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And we could easily justify that. And as we began to pray and preach the word of God and people got saved. I remember walking over to this, this lady who was in a wheelchair. And I began to pray, several of us began to pray for her. And I just really felt God say, you know, ask her to step out of the wheelchair. I said, step out, step out from the wheelchair. And she got up. And this lady began to walk. Started, you know, running up and down, up and down. And you know, I thought to myself, oh my goodness. Here was somebody who would have been fastened in a place and position simply because I had chosen to be safe. I wasn't going to share that story even before I came up here. I thought, I don't want to share that story. But I really feel that that was something that was going to encourage somebody in this place. Because I know that oftentimes the situations and the circumstances that we face, especially in a world like ours, where there is so much correctness that you need to be this and you need to be that and you need to do this and you need to do that and you can't, you can't do this and you can't and you can't, we can very easily justify that, you know, I'm going to second, but I need to, to toe the line. I need to conform. But you see our commission... It's a higher commission. A commission that comes to us is simply go, preach, pray. Simple. Go, preach, pray. Is there anybody here that can go? Now, that should be all of you. Come on. If you're not going then you you might as well just stay stuck to your chair for the next three services and then we'll keep you here for Monday evening, Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening and by Wednesday maybe you might decide that you want to go. Is there anybody here who can go? Is there anybody here who can preach? That's everybody by the way. You see, we need to knock this phenomenon of preaching. What does it mean to preach the gospel? Jesus saves. That's it. Yes, that's it. Jesus saves. The Lord is salvation. That's it. Is there anybody here who can pray? Oh well, there you are. You're commissioned. Go, preach, pray, and let God be God and demonstrate that he's the one who can take a soul from darkness to light, but also can take that sick person and heal them. Amen? Let's, let's stand together. I know that there are many in this place, and really the sense I have is not, we, maybe at some point we might have a seminar on, you know, teaching about the miraculous and, and healing and all of that, but I sense my commission today was simply about giving you the confidence in the gospel, that if I preach the gospel, if I pray for people, then I'm doing what God has called me to do. Don't worry about whether or not that person, you know, is going to respond in the right way, or you just, as the prophet Nike would say, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Amen? Just raise your hands in his presence right now. And in doing so, you're confirming that, Lord, you have called me, And you have commissioned me. And I believe that this week, you're going to find opportunities to do exactly what we've been sharing about today, about demonstrating the kingdom. You can have confidence because that commission has been given to you by the one who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think or even imagine. Amen? And he can give you that commission today. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person in this place right now under the sound of my voice. Lord, I know that you've given us a commission, a commission that starts with us simply coming to faith in you. And because you bring us to that place of salvation, you also enable us to be ministers of your gospel. We can go, we can preach, and we can pray. Lord, I pray that we will take that as a commission this week in situations and circumstances, in our places of work and and our environment of of contact and, and, and the social environment that we are in, wherever it is, Lord, that as those opportunities come, you will quicken our spirits to this truth that you have sent us to go to preach and to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Finish with this final verse. In Mark 16 and verse 20, having sent them out with a commission, the scripture says there, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Amen. God bless you.